righteous, we're going to get there eventually, just not right away. But that'll give you time to get there. Deuteronomy chapter 7, we've been speaking about the blood of Jesus Christ and how powerful and yet at the same time how precious it is. Hallelujah. Everything that we have looked at points to the power God has put in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. All of life is found in the blood of Jesus. It has cleansed us from all sin. And his blood has restored us to a perfect fellowship with God. We are whole and complete in Christ. Isn't that awesome to know that we can be in right relationship with the God of the universe? Whoo! I mean, he invites us to come. But it cost him his son. It cost him his life. But it was worth it for us. Hallelujah. And I pray it's worth it for him. I know it is. He gets to look down and see all of us. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine all the churches that are going on and he looks down and says, those are mine. Woo. And the awesome thing is, is we could never have come into a right relationship with God on our own. And we get to experience new life only because of the powerful life-giving blood of Jesus. We've looked at this in relation to covenant. And this morning I want to talk about covenant, but probably in a different sense than what we're thinking. But I want to look at it concerning the importance of two in the scripture. Two as in T-W-O, the number two. Okay, um, because we're going to see some things in the scripture concerning covenant with this. And and I think that we will all be blessed. You and I and all of mankind have been on God's heart and mind from the very beginning. God was so committed to mankind, to creating mankind, knowing that it would require the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. But He created us anyways. He made us in the likeness and image of Him. And all of this was determined before the foundation of the earth, even before mankind was given breath. God knew that man would sin, and the only way to get him back would be to redeem him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the way that God did this was to begin to establish a covenant and He would enter into a blood covenant with mankind. We see throughout Scripture that God is both a covenant-making God, but He's also a covenant-keeping God, which is wonderful. The truth is, is God loves to keep his promises to his people. In fact, God cannot not keep his promises. It's impossible. He's so faithful. It's in his DNA that he cannot not be faithful to us. I mean, like you don't have to wake up one morning and, and wonder, well, what kind of mood is God in? Is he having a good day or is he having a bad day? We don't have to tiptoe around him. We don't have to wonder, does he love me or doesn't he love me? 
We already know the answers. Whoo! It's his very nature to be faithful and to do what he says. And for us, what we get to do is just to relax and rest and enjoy his faithfulness. The word covenant, as we're going to look at this, it means simply to cut. To cut. In Hebrew, the word is berith, and it refers to cutting two pieces of flesh and walking between those pieces. And I do want to encourage you, we're not going to get to everything about covenant this morning, so hopefully you'll come back next week and we'll, we'll keep working with this. And I don't know how long it'll take us, but all I can tell you is it's good. The root word for this Hebrew word is bare, B-A-R-E, meaning to shape, create, or to cut. Okay? In the Greek, the word for covenant is dithiki, and it refers to a will or a legal testament. And so the act of making a covenant is a declaration of promise and agreement, but is, it is also a legally binding contract between two parties. The very first blood covenant God made was with Abraham. Now, it's actually Abram, but most of us don't remember him or know him as Abram. So I'm just going to refer to him as Abraham. Uh, so just relax. Don't send me any emails. Just enjoy the covenant that God made with Abraham. So the very first covenant that God made, first blood covenant, was with Abraham. And it was the uh, forerunner. It was going to be the showing of the beginning of the restoration of everything that Adam lost in the fall. It's foreshadowing of Jesus' blood covenant that would destroy every work of the enemy, including sickness, disease, torment, death, and every other affliction that we might encounter, whether it be a confused and broken heart, a confused and broken mind, uh, a shattered heart because of abuse or whatever it is. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you've been abandoned. It doesn't matter. Whatever condition we find ourselves in, the blood of Jesus and the covenant that He keeps and makes with us is to restore us to a right relationship with Him. And it's an awesome thing to, to know that the God of the universe, our Father, wants us in right relationship with Him and did everything possible, everything necessary to bring us back to that with the covenant, the blood covenant of Jesus. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, I told you we would get there. Verse 9 says this, Deuteronomy 7, 9 says. And you can find this all throughout the scripture. I mean, it's like you could have found a scripture like this everywhere. They're, they're there because this is how God is. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. 
It's good to know that one first. He's God. And the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. Other translations translate that as mercy. I'll take them both. I'll take steadfast love and mercy. With those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. What's so amazing is, is we find this beautiful covenant God made with Abraham. And as he makes it, and as Abraham questions him about it, how, how am I going to know that you're going to do this? God says, look, he says, there's nobody I can swear by except for myself. There's no one greater. So God swears by himself to, to fulfill this covenant, to make the covenant, but also to fulfill it. And that's in Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 13 and 14, it says this. Hebrews 6, 13 and 14. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. Now look, if God makes a promise with you, you can go to the bank with it. You can count on it. Because God is faithful. He was, God was holding Himself in honor to keep His word and to keep His covenant promises to Abraham. And in this blood covenant that was established between Abraham and God, we see the cutting of two pieces of flesh. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. We are going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 27 if you haven't moved your finger too much, but um, we're going to go there in just a second. But Genesis chapter 15. I know, I looked at yours too because I thought you had mine. I missed. You know, this is... Um, Looking into the blood of Jesus and doing that series was just amazing to me because, you know, I had studied that out as a young believer, but as an older believer to study it out, it was amazing. But then when you look at the covenant, and you realize how awesome God is to us. Uh, last Saturday night, I was sharing with Christopher after the evening service, and I was just telling them about sharing the about the blood of Jesus and, and the power and the preciousness of the blood of Jesus. And he was like, what did you what was your biggest takeaway from it? And I knew right away my biggest takeaway was that God had come up with this plan. It's his only plan. And he came up with it before the foundations of the world. And knowing that God did this gives me a greater measure of peace and rest because I know that it's not, it's not all up to me. I mean, we have our part to play. We have our responsibility to grow and to mature in our faith. But to realize that God is so committed to me that before He even made the foundations of the world, before He created any person, He had a plan to redeem us. And if he thought that much of me, 
I need to give my attention to him. And so as we look at Genesis chapter 15, this is the beginning of it in the natural form. Genesis chapter 15, verse 8 says this, and this God had made a promise to Abraham, and so Abraham's asking the question. But he said, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that I, I shall possess it? Because God had told him, you're going you're gonna to possess this land and you're going to grow. He said to him, so this is God speaking to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he, speaking of Abraham, brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But, the, but he did not cut the birds in half. And so when he's talking about in half, he's not talking about this way, he's talking about this way. In those, and then they would be in half, and then they would be laid together. Okay, And then there's going to be three of them that he lays out. And we're not going to get into it today, but the Lord is going to walk between them. Okay, So he does this, but we have to understand something, that these animals belong to Abraham. God didn't just give them to him. I mean, he did, but Abraham, God was blessing him already. And so Abraham had these. But Abraham had to bring him these animals. And then Abraham had to cut them in half. Sometimes we think that our responsibility is very little, but this is a big thing. It may seem like a little thing, but to me, this is a big thing. I've never cut an animal in half, don't even care to. It's not on my radar. I don't have to. I can go to heaven never having to have to cut that. But Abraham had to for us. And in the cutting, he's dividing them in order to uphold his end of the covenant. God asked him to do this, and so he went and did it. And here's the beginning of the importance of two. Because we can discover another great truth regarding the covenant to, of cutting in two. One is the blessing and one is the curse. One is the blessing for those who keep the covenant and the other represents the curses or negative results of breaking it. And these two halves that Abraham divided, we see as powerful prophetic parallels in the scripture of two. If you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 27, please. Deuteronomy chapter 27. Now, I, I don't know how God does everything that he does. He totally amazes me. We're going to look at the importance of two, and yet God begins to reveal this through the covenant that he makes with Abraham. And we'll see it in other things today. And I, I'm just touching on it. I mean, it's, I don't know if you can exhaust it all. But in Deuteronomy chapter 27, Moses is getting ready to 
depart. He's old. They're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. And he describes two mountains. And so I, I want us to see this in Deuteronomy chapter 27. We're going to begin in verse 11. Deuteronomy 27, 11. It says, that day Moses charged the people saying, when you have crossed over the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. And then he names these tribes. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal for the curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtalon. And as we're reading this, we can think to ourselves, well, what does this have to do? These are two mountains, and these two mountains represent one blessing and one cursing. And so Moses is standing before them, and he's explaining this to them. Can I tell you something? They knew what these mountains looked like. We don't always have an understanding, so I'm going to tell you what these mountains look like. Mount Gerashim, it was lush and fertile. Mike, can you come and get this one? Oh, never mind. It was lush and fertile. And so when Moses would speak this, they understood that that's the mountain of blessing. And then Mount Ebal, it was rocky and barren. And so he's laying before them their two choices that they're going to have. And he's like, look, I want you to know something. When you go in that promised land, when you cross over, even though you're in the promised land, you're going to have choices to make. You're either going to serve on Mount Gerizim or you're going to serve on uh, Mount Ebal. One is going to be a blessing and one is going to be a curse. But you're going to decide, not God. You're going to decide which mountain you're going to choose. <coughs> if you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. You see, we can see things, but until we get what God is trying to say, we miss it. The importance of two. I have in my mind, ever since I've come to know the Lord, I've come to understand that we have choices to make. And those choices are either going to be good for us or those choices are going to be bad for us. And I don't know about you, but I don't need to make my own messes. And it's not to say that I don't, but I try not to. I want to make choices that are based on God's word that are going to stand over time. I don't need to test the waters. I was just talking to Diana the other night and I said, you know, I am not a person who needs to go to the cliff to see how close I can get before I fall off. I don't have to do that. It's not in me. I can stay far away from that cliff. When we were out in California, Caleb went off the cliff and did the hang gliding. I, I don't need to do that. Look, honey, I'll pay for you to do it. I do not need to do that. If I want to see what's below the cliff, I'll figure out how to get down there. And fortunately, it was beach, so I can go look at it on a boat. I don't need to get to the edge. And I don't know, you know, if you're different and you got to go to the edge, fine. 
But you know what? You're robbing yourself of all that God has for us. Life is full of choices. And when I found these scriptures years ago, I mean like a long time ago, because I've been a believer for a long time, this, but I didn't understand it as much as I do today. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. This is Moses speaking still. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that we sh that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. This is it. So that you can do it. Paul quotes this in Romans, I believe it is, in a little bit different fashion, but basically the same thing. And we have to understand that God has a plan for our life. We can walk it out. It doesn't matter what the enemy brings our way. It doesn't matter the hardness of our hearts. God can restore that. God can make us new again. He can make us live again. He can make us breathe again. But we have to give ourselves to Him. Aren't you glad that God says, so that you can do it? You don't have to wake up and say, can I walk with God? He's saying, yes, you can. You can walk with me. God, can I be blessed by you? Yes, you can. You can be blessed by Him. You can choose to walk with Him. You can choose to give yourself to Him. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 15. See. Everybody say see. I have set before you today. Everybody say today. Life and good. Death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God. That I command you today. And here they are. By loving the Lord your God. That's number one. By walking in His ways. That's number two. And by keeping His commandments. That's number three. And by keeping His statutes. That's number four. And by keeping His rules. Number five. That is what God requires. That's what He's asking us to choose. He says, if we will do this, if we will love the Lord, if we will walk in His ways, if we will keep His commandments, if we will keep His statutes, if we will keep His rules, He says this, then you shall live and multiply. 
And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Can I tell you, that's a good life. That's a real good life. Because with the importance of two, we have to know that you have options. So we have option number one, door number one. But here comes door number two. Option number two. And nobody can make this decision but you. You can't make it for your spouse. You can't make it for your children. Everybody's going to make this decision on their own. But here's the other option. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away. And you will not hear. But are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. Now I know believers who do not believe that word. I know believers who think that they can sin and they can get away with things that God does not approve of and they think they're going to be alright. And I'm here to tell you, you might be alright for a season. But payday is coming. Let's continue. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. Possess. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. Everybody say today. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and curse. Therefore choose life. Everybody say therefore choose life. That you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God. Obeying His voice and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and the length of days. That you may dwell in the land that the Lord your that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. That was the covenant that he made that we read of in Genesis chapter 15. He told Abraham, you're going to come back to this land. Now, Abraham didn't get there alive. But here's the promise of it. And they're getting ready to enter into it. But in, in verse 19 where he says, therefore choose life. I want you to know, and I, I share this every time I read this scripture because it's so important, and I think we need to hear it. When he says, therefore, choose life. If you don't choose life, then you are walking in death. You're going to stay in, in death and curses because that is what we're born into. The only way to get out of death and curses is to give your life to Jesus Christ, is to submit to him and his ways. And then that is what it means, therefore choose life. But that's just the beginning. Then we have to do all of those five things that Moses told them to do. So that we can have all the life that God has for us. When you're blessed by God, that means that you're not just living. You're not just hanging on. You're not just surviving. You're thriving. And I'm not saying that we're not going to enter into difficult things. We are. And I'm not saying that life is going to be rosy for you all the time. It's not. If you have been convinced of that, then 
you haven't read your word. You haven't read the Bible. And if somebody told you that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, everything is going to be great after that, then I apologize to you for them because they lied to you. We have an enemy. We live in a world that has fallen and broken. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And we're born into that world. We're living in that world. Even as believers, we're still in it, but we don't have to live according to its regulations. Choice is ours. Every moment of every day, we choose to either stay in death and cursing, again, which we are born into, or we can choose life and blessing, which means there has to be repentance and forgiveness in Jesus. And it's continual. It's not just a one-time thing. I don't know of a believer who just repented one time. If you have, I can tell you something. You're very miserable. I don't... When we come to Him and we talk about repentance and forgiveness, that becomes part of our life. It becomes our lifestyle because we're going to make mistakes. Not on purpose, hopefully. But we're going to make mistakes and we have to repent of them and we have to ask for forgiveness. Whether it be towards somebody else that we have wronged, we ask for that forgiveness, or we have to forgive ourselves because we're still stupid. I mean, human. But there has to come us walking in the ways that God has prescribed for us, obeying his word, obeying his commandments. And these two mountains that we just looked at represent our two options for us to choose. And God was letting them know, look, before you cross over, before you enter in there from the Jordan, you have to understand that you are still going to face choices. And he's asking us to choose life, choose blessing. Oh, Lord. Can I give you one more? I, I didn't think this was going to take this long. The importance of two. We have to understand the blessings of the covenant and the negative results or the curses of not upholding the covenant are powerfully revealed to us in the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus and the two thieves that were on each of his sides. One thief on his right, the other on his left, symbolizing the two halves of the cutting of the covenant with Abraham and the two mountains that Moses just spoke of to the children of Israel. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Notice the two criminals crucified with our Lord. That it was one of the thieves who received the blessing. And blessed the Lord by asking Jesus to remember him when he entered paradise. Choosing repentance and forgiveness. And what I love so much about this that we're getting ready to read in Luke. When this thief, when this criminal 
put his faith in Jesus Christ, it was answered immediately. And it wasn't based on anything that he can do. It was based on faith. He was seeing things in the natural. But this thief that believed in Jesus also saw things supernaturally. And he was able to come to his senses and give his life to Jesus. And Jesus answered immediately. And so I want to encourage you. This goes away from you have to do all of these things to prove yourself to God. No, it's not. It's simple faith in Jesus Christ. And then you compare that to the other thief being crucified with our Lord who received the curse of eternal damnation by hurling insults at him. Seeing things just as they were in the natural. Luke chapter 23 says this. Luke 23 verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And this is exactly what those around the cross were saying as well. And this thief was just mimicking what the world was saying. Clueless as anything. But going going with the way of the world. Verse 40. But the other, meaning the other thief, the other criminal, rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, as we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Wow. Awesome. Verse 42, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, now this is Jesus responding to him. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Stand with me if you will, please. We're going to make it. You might have to stand for a while, but you're going to make it. Two is the number of covenant. But it also indicates the need to make a choice. Every moment of every day we choose whether we're going to choose Mount Gerizim Representing blessings from obedience or Mount Ebal. Representing curses from choosing to walk away from God. Turn away from His Word and the truth found in it and do our own thing. We see that God made a covenant with Abraham by passing between two pieces of flesh. We have the two mountains that we spoke of. Moses carried two tablets down. Representing our choice to follow God or not. The Red Sea and the Jordan River were parted in two. 
God led the Israelites with two pillars. The cloud by day and the fire by night. Two pillars. And we're going to get into that later. Jesus was crucified between two thieves. Jesus talked about two types of nations at the end of the age. Sheep and goats. These are just some of the powerful signs God uses to reveal His commitment to us and to encourage us to choose to live under the blessing of our blood covenant with Jesus. Life and death are part of this world we live in. None of us can ever escape that truth, that reality. Life and death are all around us. Death is making a greater push on us. But as a believer, we can stand against it with a greater life. But every day we choose blessing through obedience or we choose the curse of sinful things. As we read in Deuteronomy, the choice of life and blessing is up to us whether we're going to uphold the covenant before God. The choice is ours. Are we going to walk with Him or are we going to refuse to walk with Him? As I was been working through all of this, I've had this thought, and I believe it's from the Lord. And I had it as I was studying all of this out. I had it yesterday, putting the finishes, finishing touches on this. And I had it this morning that sometimes we look at things and, and it's hard for us because our heart is hardened. Because the world has come in and it's tried to contaminate our hearts. It has wreaked havoc on us. And sometimes we just submit to it. We succumb to it. And we develop a hard heart. And you know, I want you to know something. I don't believe God is opposed to our hard hearts. I don't think he's frightened by our hard hearts. I think he understands. <clears throat> the problem with our hard hearts, though, is, is we can choose to stay in it. And that's not the choice that God wants us to make. If we were to have you share your testimony and share your background... I mean, we would probably be horrified from some of the things you guys have been through. Some of the abuse, some of the abandonment, the, the rejection. You know, don't know of a family yet that isn't dysfunctional. We, we all have them. We're all part of them. But what God wants to do is say, look, 
I know it hurts, but I want, I want to be right there with you. I want to see you through it all. And so He gave us Jesus Christ. Not so that we could stay hard, but so that we could answer His invitation and give our lives to Him, give our hearts to Him and say, okay, God, this is what the world has done to me. This is what I have allowed the world to do, but I'm choosing you. I'm choosing life now. And I want to encourage you, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, do it today. Do it right now. Do it now and, and let Him begin to soften your heart. Because He says in Ezekiel several times, and you know, some people don't like Ezekiel, it scares you, but I just want to tell you, it's a beautiful book. Because He says, I'll remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And it happens by His Spirit in us. It happens when we give our life to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And Father, I, I pray that we are encouraged by the importance of two and by the covenant that you've made with Abraham so that you could fulfill that covenant with Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, coming in the natural and offering us restoration, offering us forgiveness for our sins. Removing the heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. A heart that beats like yours, Father. Lord, that's what we're longing for. And I pray that you would work that within us. And Father, if there's somebody here that needs to give their life to you for the first time, Lord, continue to draw. Make it happen today. Because your word says today. We get to choose. And Lord, for those of us who have made that decision already, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us even more. And that our hearts would become tender, not only towards you because of the love that you have for us, but they would become tender towards one another. Because we know that that's how you are towards everybody. Because we're all created in your likeness and image. And you died for every one of us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen.